Welcome back to the middle of medicine. My name is Aubrey Jones. And I'm Peter Jones. And this is episode five of this podcast we're doing. So I just wanted to ask, how are you doing, Dad? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Been feeling a little under the weather the last couple of days, getting some of the crud that I think is going around and everybody seems to have had. I think your brother had something. He stayed home from school, I want to say Tuesday. Oof. And maybe Wednesday, maybe it was just Tuesday. But he stayed home at least one day because we had Monday off for President's Day, so. Oh, right. Oof, that is not fun. A little cold or something like that. Yeah, I think so. Again, just kind of don't feel great, a little tired, and I've got a little something brewing down in my chest that I occasionally cough. So maybe I finally got the Rona. And if this is (laughs) as it gets, okay, I'm all right with that, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Because I don't feel that bad. I just feel bad enough that I have to take ibuprofen and kind of roll with it. Later in the day. Yeah. That's about it. Oof. How about you? How you been doing? I'm good, you know, just lots of stuff happening all the time. Lots of classes, lots of work. I've been picking up extra shifts because the money's really good right now. (laughs) 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 And we're so understaffed for techs, which is what I do. Like almost every shift we have either a nurse working as a tech or we just can't have a tech for one of the pods. It's ridiculous. Like we're out of the float pool techs. We're out of like, there's no one that can float from any other units because everyone else is understaffed. And so it's, it's rough. Instead of just focusing on my eight patients in the shift, I usually am helping out with 16 plus patients. So why is it so, why is it hitting the tech so hard? Do you think? Honestly, I have no idea because it it seemed like it was all of a sudden. First, for a while there, it was nurses, and now it feels like it's more techs, but I honestly don't know. I don't know if it's just that people are out more or people are on vacation more or something, but I don't know. It just all of a sudden hit like a couple weeks ago, and now it's like if I'm on call or something, like I was supposed to be on call tonight, I know for a fact I'm working. Yeah. There's no chance I'm getting called off because really? there's two two techs working on the unit tonight. Two. Jeez, that's crazy. And we have to have at least three for us to even function yeah. at all. So what I know would be considered fully staffed. How many would that be? I think right now it's four because one of our pods we gave to the pediatric ICU because they're so overflowing right now. Oh, geez. Is, that, is this so, COVID or is it something else that's overflowing your I, PICU? I, I don't know because they've had one of our pods ever since I've worked. Hmm. So we have A pod, B pod, C pod, D pod, E pod, and F. And F pod has been for the PICU. Been, they just took it for ever since I've been working there. And then as of last week, they took our E-pod too. That's crazy. And I I don't know what's happening because it's not really trauma, like winter season that much anymore. Right. We're kind of getting through that. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening, but we only have four pods. So I think right now we have one open bed. Like, what are we going to do if people come through the ED? Which I, almost every single shift I work, 
we get an admin. We I get a new patient on whatever pod I'm working almost every single shift. Yeah. But I'm like, uh, what are we going to do? We have no open beds, like none. You know, that's a <laughs> terrible situation to be. And then I will also admit, um, and maybe I shouldn't admit this, but <laughs> as a surgeon at a hospital with lots of outside outlying hospitals that want to send people my way, mm-hmm. not going to lie. Sometimes when I hear that we're full and on divert, those are the sweetest, ear, mu, uh, the, excuse me, the sweetest <laughs> words I could ever hear. <laughs> Cause then I know I'm not going to have to get transfers and that's <laughs> terrible of me. I admit it, but sometimes you yeah, just but- feel that way. It's a bit of a relief sometimes. Yeah, it's been rough. No, like I remember when I was on medicine, you know, it kind of sucked when you were busy enough that you would cap on admissions. But at the same mm-hmm. time, if it was really busy and you capped at like midnight, you mm-hmm. were like, you were thrilled. Yeah. Like, great. We're capped <laughs> and it's midnight. I, I don't yeah. have to admit anybody else the rest of the night. Somebody else has to do the admits. Yeah, that's true. Like the past two shifts I've... I've worked there. I haven't gotten an admin because there's no room for them on my pod. (laughs) That's that's one of the things that it's like being in the hospital when it's full. But that's interesting that the PICU is so full. I think our COVID numbers have kind of peaked again and now are starting to trail off. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's weird. It, It feels like up here at least. And a lot of other things that I'm seeing, it kind of feels like people are like, okay, it's over now, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't know that it is, but it definitely feels like it's not as big a deal as it was. Yeah, because it feels like we're kind of in between variant surges at the moment. (laughs) So it kind of it kind of trailed off. It's the same thing for my unit, too. We we have maybe one covid kid, whereas a couple weeks ago we had like seven on our unit. And the good but news we is, have maybe I, one. at least I haven't heard in the news of the next big variant that we're worried about or whatever. It seemed like, mm-hmm. you know, Delta was still the talk of the town when people started talking about Omicron. So I don't right. know. fingers crossed, yeah. maybe that's going to slow down a little bit too. Yeah, let's hope. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know if the PICU is overflowing with COVID kids right now. I think it there tends to be an NAT season in our on our floor which is non-accidental trauma for those who don't know what that is and there's uh it's kind of in the middle of non-accidental trauma season which is the worst thing the worst thing ever that it's a freaking season yeah but they tend to go through the pick you first and then they go to us so Mm. yeah not fun but anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> well, it's interesting. There, there was an article I saw that actually just uh, came out on one of the medical blogs that I pay attention to, and I think it actually just was published yesterday. And I thought it'd be interesting to talk about briefly before we jump into kind of the main topic that you uh, brought to the table this week. And the title of the article says, How Physicians Can Restore Themselves on Vacation. Now, I'm not going to mm. go through and tell you what, this article says and and what we should do and shouldn't do to try and restore ourselves. Because I'll be honest, I think that that's a little silly, but the interesting thing that I thought I'd bring up and and you mentioned how you're picking up all these extra shifts Mm -hmm. and money is good. And there's a lot of things in medicine where it's like that. And one of the things I get all the time is 
locums companies. And so for those who don't know, there's something in medicine called locums tenens. And what locums work is, is you get licensed usually through an agency. They help take care of all this. And then you'll travel around and you come in and you cover a certain number of days and uh, in, in whatever specialty you're in mm-hmm. because you're going to places where they don't have enough. You know, for example, we use locums here where I am because I'm the only urologist right. and we realistically should have three, but because there's half as many urologists in the country as there should be, we're having Jeez. a hell of a hard time recruiting to Pocatello, Idaho. Yeah. But so we get locums that come in and and they take call and they cover just our emergency room and inpatient consults and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't have them helping out in clinic and we don't have them having assigned surgery time. That's just how we've chosen to do it. But it is, there's such a demand for people in medicine that I'm getting these things all the time. And it's like, Hey, why don't you use one of your vacation weeks? And come and work here for a week and make some extra cash. Mm. <laughs> and uh, like that's, so I, I see this article that says, oh, how can you restore yourself on vacation? And it just kind of makes me laugh a little bit because we're so in demand and the need is so extreme that people are asking us to use our vacation time to go do our job somewhere else mm-hmm. to make extra money. And it just yeah. seems a little crazy to me. Like, yeah, I, you know, every time they ask, I tell them, uh, no, no, thank you very much. I would like <laughs> I'm to, good, actually. I mean, if I'm going to take time off, I'd like to take time <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. Although there is one exception. Every once in a while, I get this email that's like, hey, we need the week of locums coverage in St. Thomas in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Oh. And I'm like, hmm. That's, Maybe I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's an option. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you're seeing what it's like in medicine at, at mm-hmm. this stage of the game for you. It's There's such a demand and such a need mm-hmm. that you, there is this incentive to work harder and yeah. do more. And it's nice because, sure, on the one hand, you'll do that and you'll make some extra money, which is not yeah. a bad thing. But like at what cost to your mental health? Exactly. And so I think that's one of the hardest things is how do we balance our mental health with still trying to do what we need to do, meet the obligations. And and, help people out. And help people out. But I don't know. It, It worries me a little bit about the direction of medicine that there is such a need and we are in so many ways so overworked just like yeah. so many industries honestly these days it's it's crazy and it doesn't make sense yeah. to me. i don't understand it all yeah but you know i don't know i worry that in another couple of years we're going to have yet another mass exodus mm-hmm. of the workforce from medicine you know, yeah. COVID, COVID inspired uh, a huge exodus from healthcare, or at the very least, a change in how people were doing it. People going from, you know, I look at nurses all over the place. People decided, well, forget it. I'm not going to stay and be a nurse here at this place. I'll go travel and I'll make more right. money. And, yeah. you know, have some more flexibility in my schedule where it's like, okay, great. I'll take a, you know, 13 week assignment here 
Mm-hmm. And because I'm making extra money, then I'll take the next month off after that before I go start another assignment. And mm-hmm. so we're losing people. And I don't know. I worry that we're going to, we're going to continue to lose people. I mean, yeah. what do you see in that regard, just in terms of people being overworked, even in their quote time off where, where you're at? Well, a lot of the times kind of a trend with, with the nurses. So, so full-time where I'm at is three shifts a week because they're 12 hours. Um, and part-time is two shifts a week. So I'm part-time at the moment. I'll go full-time in the summer, but I pick up enough extras at this point, might as well be (laughs) (laughs) full-time. But the nurses usually will work their three shifts in a row. And then have a couple days off you know in between like they they always tend to try to have their three shifts a week in a row so that they can have a couple days in a row off sure you know what i mean sure but we have for each schedule period you are required to pick up a couple shifts as your mandatory on call Mm -hmm. shifts and with the new incentives that they have because we're so understaffed they try and work extra shifts first and then the on-call people because if it's an extra it's because you usually want to work and if it's on call it's because you have to work (laughs) 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 so they try and do those first but because the money is so good i will see these nurses and techs as well pick up or switch their on calls two extras so that they work first. Mm-hmm. And I saw this nurse the other day. She was on her fourth night in a row Ooh. on the same pod with some really, really difficult patients who needed a lot of cares. Like, for example, we had a kid who had a lumbar drain, yep. which is basically this drain. It's just draining cerebrospinal fluid out of their spine in a way. <laughs> and she had to go in and drain it every hour on the hour and mm-hmm. it takes 15 minutes for it to drain. She I mean, did not sit down. Right there. She did not sit down all night. She was charting for three hours after her shift was supposed to end. Oh my gosh. And that was like an extra shift. And so it's just weird because you want to pick up the extra because you want the money. But it's supposed to be one of the days where you're off so you can spend time with your families or something. But then they're at a shift, you know, they're just working ridiculously hard and it's just super, super draining. And so you just kind of have to like see what you're putting first, you know, like, do you want the extra money or do you want to be sane? (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) My, I literally was at therapy the other day and she was like, you're not allowed to pick any more extra shifts. I'm setting a rule for you right now. (laughs) And I was like, but. But I was like, but I made over $100 an hour the other day. She was like, no, I don't care. The money will still be there later. You are not allowed to pick up any extras. That's funny. And it's just kind of you got to pick and choose because you want to work and you want to help people out because we're so understaffed. You want the money, but you also want to be able to like take care of yourself and sleep, you Uh know? So it's just kind of. Every it's a struggle for everybody I'm seeing, myself included. Everyone's trying to like toe that line. <laughs> so, along those lines, there's another um, website that 
I have frequented in the past, and, and I don't know if it's dying or if it's died. I haven't been able to figure this out, but it's Gomer Blog, and I don't know if you're familiar with Gomer Blog. No. So for the longest time, Gomer Blog was kind of the medicine equivalent of the onion. So it's all satire. <laughs> oh. um, they still have an active Instagram account where they post things, but they haven't had uh-huh. an article um, at least on their main page since kind of late 2021. So it's kind of died out. But uh-huh. I, I saw this one when I was looking at it the other day. And it made me think of what you just were talking about. And the title is hospital combats, physician burnout with mandatory training on burnout. (laughs) (laughs) So so I just got to read a little bit for you. It says, you know, um, the last thing we want is for physicians and mid-levels, which we don't use the term mid-level anymore, but that's what the article says. Just had to throw that aside in there. The last thing we want is for physicians and mid-levels to burn out and leave medicine, Tuscaloosa Lutheran Hospital CEO, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, because it's satire, Kevin Clueless is his name, BS, MHA, GED, MBA, PM, HNP, DNP, BFD, PIA, told Gomer Block. <laughs> Without doctors, it becomes very hard to run a profitable nonprofit hospital. If I can't make money for medicine, despite not having an effing clue about medicine, I could end up having to get a job where I would actually need to understand what really happens in that business. That's the scariest thing ever. <laughs> But, but then it says, mandatory burnout training has conveniently been scheduled for Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Physicians are required to attend four sessions over a five-week period, while mid-levels, again, we don't use that term, they are advanced practicer, practitioners, APPs, um, are required to attend two sessions over the same duration. Mandatory burnout training for nurses will be held in seven-hour blocks, conveniently timed to start immediately following shifts. To ensure no. maximal benefit, <laughs> nurses will only be able to attend burnout training immediately following a work shift. CEO Clueless explained, we need the doctors, mid-levels, and nurses to know how seriously we take burnout. To the end of this, no vacation or PTO will be allowed until all burnout training has been completed. <laughs> oh dear. And the sad thing is like I wish that that was satire. But I wish that that was fully a joke. But, but again, <laughs> the best satire is the stuff that is low-key low key true. Exactly. <laughs> low key true. You know, when I talk about um and you've heard me say this many times, in my opinion, the most accurate medical show that I've ever seen was the mm-hmm. first few seasons of Scrubs. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing. It's, you know, things are exaggerated, but it's, it's pretty accurate. And, but is it really? I'm just like, oh my gosh, I literally <laughs> have had to do that. I had to attend <laughs> And it, I swear it was, I don't remember if it was on a Saturday or maybe they gave us all the quote day off to go to this mm. mandatory burnout training. <laughs> and I literally walked out of it halfway through because you know what these guys they hired to come and talk to us about burnout said? Oh, dear. Burnout oh, dear. was our own fault. What? Yeah. Because see, what burnout is, is burnout is when you allow yourself allow yourself to be in a state of fight or flight constantly. And that's what burns you out is that constant cortisol release. So (laughs) to not be burned out, all we had to do 
was learn how to manage our stress better. Oh yeah, that's definitely it. <laughs> so, so it was literally, it was all on us. Like the whole crux of this thing was, was like, well, here's, you know, and they, I mean, the hospital hired these speakers who've written books to come in and talk to us. And the whole crux of it was, you need to do deep breathing exercises, manage your stress, and then you won't feel burned out anymore. That's like, that's like those jokes where I've seen so many memes about this and it's like, you're anxious and someone's like, oh, well, stop being anxious. And you're like, oh, my anxiety's cured. Thanks so much. Why didn't so I much. think of that, right? <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? No, because that's... Or, or telling <laughs> that the depressed so person. Funny. Telling the, well, just don't be sad. Well, just, be, just don't be sad. Just be happy. Just just think of something happy. Or like with anxiety, just, just do some deep breathing exercises. Just cope with your anxiety. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's not like... Wow, I just didn't think of that. Thanks so much for that advice. So, Thanks so much for that. So anyway, I, I, I thought that article, like I say, it hit painfully close to home because I did have to attend a <laughs> mandatory burnout training <laughs> session that I actually did leave halfway through because it was such a load of bull crap. And I'm just like, and I walked out of there and I came home and I said to your mom, I said, well, now I know why they hired these guys. Because these guys' whole spiel takes all of the responsibility from anyone else and puts it right back on the physicians. Oh, yeah, because then the administration doesn't have to do anything to help. Because then if you're like, you know, guys, I'm really burned out, they're like, "Mm, we told you how to deep breathe. (laughs) You're just not breathing deep enough. You're just not breathing correctly. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, geez, that is funny, but also sad because it's true. (laughs) I know, I know. Well, hey, you had a great idea for something for us to talk about today. And uh, why don't you tell us kind of what that was? Because I really like this idea. Yeah. So I just wanted to think of something more on a bit of the positive note, because there's lots of downsides of medicines, like working in healthcare and lots of hardships. But I really wanted to talk about the positives of seeing patients improve, um, because in my unit, it's also like inpatient rehab mm-hmm. um, because of, you know, traumatic brain injuries and stuff requires a lot of rehab afterwards to get the patients back where they are, which means we have these kids in the hospital for months and months and you see them progress and progress. And I just thought that would be a really cool thing to talk about because it's just so cool to see them get so much better when you see them at the beginning when they had a really bad accident and then to when they can go home. So what are your thoughts? I'm curious with you have been working in urology for a while. Like, do you, I'm just curious how, how much of this you see? That's a good question. And I was thinking about it as you were introducing the topic and have been thinking about it since you brought this up a couple weeks ago. I, you know, there's, there's a lot of satisfaction in seeing patients improve And I'm the first to admit that one of the reasons that I wanted to go into a surgical field is because I'm impatient. I like to see people get better quickly. (laughs) And so when somebody comes to see me because they're in agony with a kidney stone, which is an agony that I am familiar with and, and truly (laughs) understand, you know, they're miserable and I can be like, great, let's go to the OR like now. Yeah. We could, let's go take care of it. There's a and solution. I can go and boom, blast a stone, get it out of there. And then they wake up in recovery and I hear the recovery nurses. They're like, are you having any pain? And lots of times people are like, no, 
<laughs> no, I don't have this. This is crazy. <laughs> like I feel great, and so <laughs> that aspect of it, I love. I really do. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also have a number of things that I take care of. Um, you know, conditions that that people will have that don't get solved quite so easily, and. Right. Um, you know, one of the other things that we sometimes see and do, particularly as surgeons, but in medicine all over the place, and I think something that might be worth talking about at another time is in an effort to help somebody get better, we got to make them feel worse. Yeah. And so it's kind of finding the balance between there. Um, there are a few other things that I deal with that there can be a fair bit of trial and error. You know, we're trying a few different things. Um, but, but what about you? What are some of the things that you have seen? Because I think you probably see this in a more, I don't know how I'd put it, both gradual, but also a much more close situation. You know, I can see someone, they come yeah. to me, they have a complaint and I go, eh, here's what I think the problem is. You know, try this medication and I'll see you in six weeks. And they come back and mm-hmm. sometimes they're like, hey, that was perfect. It's exactly what I need. I'm doing great. I'm happy. And I'm like, cool. I'll mm-hmm. see you in a year. We'll refill your med. Adios. And that's mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And I think it's a little yeah. different for you. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I, <coughs> we're right there taking care of them. I literally see them every single hour yeah. <laughs> of a shift that I am, I am there. And, and I, I wrote down a couple examples of, of kids that have been there for a while, um, and seeing them progress. For example, I know I've talked to you about this outside of the podcast before, but I'll just mention it because it's such a cool case. Um, we have this little kid who is now 21 months old, and he came in for non-accidental trauma. Um, so he doesn't have, he's not allowed any visitors, uh, wasn't allowed any visitors for the first couple months he was here. He's been here since about November, December, I don't remember. Um, it was a really, really scary case. He basically got like thrown against a wall a couple times. Um, and he came in and could not move his right side at all. Couldn't open his right eye. Head was super, super big because it was swollen and swollen hydrocephalus, you know, lots of fluid in there. Um, couldn't move his right side at all. Couldn't move his arm, couldn't move his leg. He couldn't really say, obviously he couldn't talk and he couldn't really say anything or cry. That's the other thing is he couldn't really cry. Hmm. He would just kind of groan and moan all night. And he was clearly just in so much pain. And it was just, it was so sad because you go in there and he's just, he was just laying there, couldn't move, couldn't really cry to, you know, to show he was hungry or in pain or, you know, how babies show you that they need something. He was just kind of like groaning and moaning all night. And it was so sad to see, but so it was a really long journey to get him to where he is now. He got an EVD put in, which is basically something that helps try and get all that swollen fluid out of the head mm-hmm. of kids. Um, he got an EVD. He got that out. Then it, his head got worse, so he got the EVD put back in, and then he got it out, and then got, like, some sort of infection. He was super feverish and sick and not doing well, and then I'm pretty sure he got a shunt placed, yeah. 
and then he had like a bone flap out which meant like a piece which means a piece of his skull was just not in there right so very very up and down very up and down and he was working with therapies and things like that and he couldn't eat through his mouth at all um so he had a g-tube and we were getting him feeds through the g-tube and basically he just completely completely dependent and was just doing very very bad but now he has worked with therapies and you know has had a couple surgeries got his bone flap put back in doesn't have an evd anymore that kind of thing and now where he couldn't do anything at all now he can sit up by himself nice he can give you high fives with his good arm he can give you fist bumps that's awesome he can smile it's a lopsided smile but he can smile and giggle <laughs> he can say the word no he loves the word no <laughs> <laughs> as, as I'll be all like, young <laughs> two-year-old range do <laughs> yeah i'll be like i'll be like can i have a high five and he'll be like no <laughs> but that's the only word he could say he can play with toys he's still kind of confused as to what toys are because he didn't really play with toys for the first few years of his life he would if a toy makes noise he'll kind of like jump because he'll be so confused as to what it, what it yeah. is but he can open both eyes almost fully awesome. now which is just it makes me so happy and he got foster placement and the foster mom has been coming in and doing education on how to give him g-tube feeds and he's been eating through his mouth with speech therapy and like barely he still kind of doesn't really know what food is so he's still kind of confused but (laughs) but like it's it just makes me so happy to do what i'm doing because i saw his progression through all of that and now, and, and he, another thing is that he hated being picked up because when he was getting picked up at home, it was because he was getting hurt. Yeah. And now I can pick him up and he can snuggle me and he'll like wave at people and he'll like give people high fives and he'll just like giggle at everybody. That's awesome. And it just, it makes me so happy to see how much he's improved because I saw him at his very, very worst when he got admitted. Yeah. And now he has a discharge date, which is, like, insane. That's so great. And that just, like, it makes it so worth it to see all these horrible cases that we see in our unit. Because we get to see their progression and how well they're doing and how what we're doing is helping. That's another thing is that it makes me really happy to see that what I'm doing is helping in a very real way. For sure. You know? Because sometimes I feel like... I'm not really doing anything, <laughs> even though I know I know in the long run I am. But like you know, sometimes I feel like that. But anyway, so yeah, he is a really a really cool case to see because I just loved seeing his progression. It was just so cool. That's awesome. Well, um, I can definitely tell that you've enjoyed that aspect of it, and it is. It's one of the most rewarding things about being in medicine is seeing people who are not well and who need some kind of help and, and offering that help and having it make a difference in somebody's life. It's, I mean, it's the reason we do what we do. I was telling a guy, I think it was just yesterday morning. I was 
kind of jokingly, we were complaining about medicine. His, uh, I was doing a procedure in the office on him and, um, you can all just imagine what that procedure might involve. I'm a urologist. He's a fairly <laughs> young guy. So needless to say, certain parts of anatomy were exposed and I'm working on them while we're talking. Of course, you know, you got to try and keep people distracted <laughs> while you're working on their undercarriage. Um, but his wife had, uh, she'd worked as a nurse in an operating room at another hospital. And we were just kind of talking about some of the aspects of medicine that are troubling. But after I, said that, you know, I did say, but you know, at the end of it, I said, I think I have the greatest job in the world. All the other stuff aside, yeah. all, all the bad stuff and, and all the jokes that I make when I tell people that you want to go into medicine and how I haven't been able to talk you out of it yet. You know, all that aside, <laughs> I really do. I, I think that we have the best yeah. job in the world. It really is. It's, yeah. it's, it's amazing. And it's, it's seeing those improvements that make up for all the times where Maybe we don't see them and maybe there's other things that are hard, but you know, you get those successes and it, it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah, no, it's absolutely worth it at the end of the day. Do you have any patients that you've seen for a, like a really long time and you've been able to see their progression like long-term? I do have some, um, again, a lot of just because of the nature of what I do, we're generally trying to get to solutions fairly quickly. And so, you know, we're trying something, whether it's say, you know, uh, prostate issues in a guy and we're trying medications and then we're looking at what procedures can we do and that sort of thing. And, and you're kind of doing those things fairly quick. And then after that, you see how they're doing long-term. Right. But you know, those are in some ways equally as rewarding for me is when there's been an intervention that I did and maybe I did it a number of years ago and they follow up with me every year or two to make sure they're still doing well. And and those can be both some of my shortest appointments and some of the most rewarding where I can go in yeah. and, Hey, how's it going? And they're like, Hey, I'm doing fantastic. No problems whatsoever. Love it. Thanks. I'm like, cool. Mm-hmm. I'll see you in two years. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. So again, a little different because I avoid some of the long, slow things. I try and work in things that go fast, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but uh, it is incredibly rewarding to see that intervention and whether the intervention happens quick and then you see the long-term benefits in an individual's life because of that intervention. Um, It's Mm -hmm. like I say, it's, it's what, it's why we do what we do at least in part. Right. Yeah. No, for sure. And I had, um, we have this, I guess it's kind of a group chat. I don't know on Microsoft teams, you know, it's how we like communicate with everyone in the unit and stuff. We all got added to this different group chat, which is called look at pick you now, which is patients who went to the pick you then went to us and now are going home and we get to see their progress. Okay. So we have their parents like send us cute little videos of them like a month after they got discharged uh-huh. or something like that. So we can all see how they're doing. And we had this kid who had a stroke and I had him when he first got admitted a couple months ago. And he, you know, classic stroke repercussions couldn't move an entire right side and couldn't really talk super well yeah. um facial droop and things like that but 
like we got a video sent to us on that group chat um of him trying to lasso his cat with his arm <laughs> that was the the weak oh, one nice and so now he, he was like, he was kind of holding it up with the other arm so he could support it. And he was like trying to lasso his uh-huh. cat. <laughs> and it was just the cutest thing. Cause I was like, I remember when he couldn't lift up that arm at all. Yeah. And I was doing range of motion stretches and exercises on him to keep that arm functional. And now he can freaking lasso his cat. Like awesome. <laughs> it was just, it was just super cute to see. Good, good. Well, that's like I say, you know, that's what makes all of the messing around with administration and schedules and long hours and all that stuff. In the end of the day, that's that's why it's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And I even picked up an extra shift the week that my little NAT baby is supposed to leave because I was like, if I show up to work one day and he's gone, I'm quitting and crying <laughs> myself to sleep. You're like, I need to be there when he leaves. <laughs> I need to be there when he leaves or I will cry. And it's another thing with them being there for so long and we get to see them progress is that we get to gain such a good relationship with them and their families. Definitely. And for example, this little NAT baby he hasn't had visitors obviously because he's not allowed to but one of the nurses just grew to love him so much she bought a polaroid camera and an entire little photo book so we could all take polaroids with him tape it in the little book and send it home with him <laughs> that's so when cool. his foster mom takes him home and it's just the cutest thing because we just gained such a close relationship with them and we just grow to love them so much like if i carry him around the the unit everyone's saying hi to him and everyone's like oh how how is he today and like he's waving to everybody because he knows everyone's his fan (laughs) and he he just knows everybody loves him and because everybody's pretty much everyone's had him as a patient at least once because he's been here for so long and everybody knows him and everyone gets so happy to see him and if i'm taking him for a walk because he really likes to go on walks i'm always like okay let's go see the fans (laughs) (laughs) because he literally is like a celebrity you walk around and everyone's just waving him and saying hi and it's just really it's just is really fulfilling to see that because i get excited to see him every day i get excited to go and say hi to him and see how he's doing and even if he's not my patient and he needs something, I'll be like, oh, I'll go change his diaper or I'll go start his yeah. feet. I know I know what his rate is. I know where his diapers are. I know everything because <laughs> he's been there for so right. long. But it's just really cute to see the the relationships that everyone gains with these patients. Awesome. So do you have anything like that? Anyone that you have seen so often that you kind of gain a relationship with them? Well, that's one of the reasons I went into urology is because while it is still a surgical subspecialty, I do get to develop long-term relationships with patients. And so I do find that a very rewarding aspect of it. But more along the lines of kind of what you've seen, you know, I have to kind of go back to residency. And and I can think of some times when I was in residency, particularly when I was on the trauma service, where we'd get people who came in and, and were traumas and were really sick and they were in the ICU for a few weeks and then it was moving them out to the floor and then working with physical therapy. And, you know, there was, there was a young lady who, um, had obviously some mental health issues and stepped in front of a semi on the freeway. 
Um, oh. Did not kill her, fortunately. That's what she was going for. Wow. But, but that didn't happen. We were glad. Uh, and she was with us for months, you know. And, yeah. And everybody knew her. Same sort of thing. Everybody knew her. Everybody, mm-hmm. you know, we'd all been, like, even if you weren't on trauma, you'd taken care of her at some point because we rotated right. through and stuff. And so... You know, when she was finally getting ready to get discharged, that was a big deal. It was a big day. And yeah. Like everybody was kind of there celebrating with her. So. Yeah. Yeah. For our rehab kids, when they go home, we have like on our little vocera pager mm-hmm. things, the, the nurse taking care of them will broadcast to the whole unit and be like, our little friend is going home. Everyone line the halls so we can cheer for them. <laughs> so everyone goes and lines the hall up to the door and then everyone's blowing bubbles and having little streamers and some someone's taking a video for their parents and everyone's cheering and yelling and we wheel them down in their wheelchair and they go through the door and they're just like looking so happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. It's it's really cute. It It's sad when I have to work nights often because then you don't see they usually stuff. don't go home yeah. at night <laughs> but during the day shift everyone's everyone's cheering for them and i bet when when my little net baby goes home i'll be crying instead of cheering but that's okay because <laughs> yeah, okay. then then we know we know they're going they're going home knowing we did we did our job which is which is really it's really good. It is a really, really good job, but it is sad when we have a kid there for a long time and then they have to go home and we're like, oh, we don't get to see them every yeah. day anymore. But yeah. Well, cool. Like I say, you know, every job has its ups and downs and every job has a lot of pressures. And I don't think I'm out of line saying that medicine has more than a lot of, you know, it has its more than its fair share of stresses and pressures and difficulties because of the nature of what we're doing. But taking care of people, seeing that improvement, seeing them leave our care better than when they entered it is, mm-hmm. is just so rewarding. And it's awesome that you're getting those experiences. You know, I didn't really, I mean, I did the CNA thing, you know, we previously talked about, but I did the CNA thing in the operating room. And so I was turning right. over operating rooms and I was transporting people to and from surgery and helping out a little bit in the recovery room and stuff, but that was it, you know? So I, yeah. I, I mean, when I saw people nine, 90% of the time I was around them, they were asleep. So yeah, I didn't get that same <laughs> experience. And so I think it's awesome that you're getting that experience now and you're, you're getting that perspective and, and having that opportunity. So I think it's cool. Yeah. No, I got really lucky. I, I talk about this all the time when I, I'm talking about my job with someone. I got really lucky, whereas my freshman year of college, they were hiring at a children's hospital, yeah. which I love kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I, even with no experience, I had no CNA experience. And when they called me to offer me the interview, they literally were like, so we see we don't you don't have any experience and I was like crap 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 uh-huh. crap and they were like but that's okay we'll train you and I was like oh so you're desperate desperate <laughs> yeah that is code for like, we're oh. desperate but that's okay <laughs> yeah but I I just got really lucky because I I get paid very well yeah. which is great yeah. <laughs> and I get to gain those bedside kind of mannerisms and 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 skills for when I do get to medical school and all that stuff and I get to see kind of hospital culture which I've always wanted to do and 
And because of, like, the track that I'm on, since I am pre-med, I get so excited when I get to do, like, the more, I guess, medical kind of kind of thing like you know i i wipe butts all the time and i and i help people get to the bathroom all the Uh time and i bring their food in and i chart their water intake (laughs) (laughs) a a lot but (laughs) but when i get to do the cool the cool things like draining a jp drain ooh, uh-huh. <laughs> like or taking out an iv ooh, <laughs> that kind of thing is is really fun to me and so it it is a taxing job but it is very very fulfilling and i know it'll be really really good for me long term because it's like progressing towards my goals you know yeah but anyway, <laughs> well, that was great that was a great idea and a great topic and i appreciate you thinking about it and and bringing it up. Yeah, for sure. Got anything else you want to mention about this? I don't think so. I think we've, I think we've kind of covered it. And again, your enthusiasm and excitement about it is, uh, it's infectious and it's good for me to see. Makes me happy to know that while you're working hard and things are crazy, you're, you're feeling the, the rewards and the benefits of doing that. So, yeah, no, it's really important for me and, and for anyone in healthcare, really, to focus on the on the benefits of it, because otherwise, otherwise, you know, our self induced burnout is just gonna <laughs> overtake. Just remember, you just gotta take some deep breaths. You just all deep you gotta breath. do manage your big stress. deep breaths that'll lower your cortisol levels, and your burnout will just magically disappear. <laughs> Nothing else needs to be done. That's it. Nothing else Nothing needs else. to be done. Deep breaths. That's all. <laughs> deep breaths. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, appreciate everyone for listening to our episode today. Hope you leave us a review or let us know what you think, because I really enjoy doing this with you, even if it's every couple weeks, because I have so many stinking night shifts all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, in all of it, it's also good for me because, you know, I've got the other one going with my brother, which is far less serious, far, far more <laughs> entertainment focused. But at this point, yeah. I've only got time to do one a week, so... Yeah, well, that makes sense. Well, appreciate everyone for listening and hope everyone has a good couple weeks. See ya. Right. Thanks again, everybody. Bye. Bye.